I had to help my buddy. I was pulling like nine hour days to where when he would drive, we'd switch off because he has a narcolepsy kind of tendency when he drives. He finds driving so boring, he will fall asleep at the wheels. But by the time we got to Arizona, all of a sudden the car launched itself around this corner. Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us Podcast. I'm Bosni. And I'm Tanji, and we're super excited to have you ride with us as our drivers take us on some adventurous drives around the world. A little quick car keeping before we meet today's driver, we're starting to line up guests for season six. So if you or anybody you know would be interested in coming on the show, either fill out the interest form in the show notes below or visit our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. We look forward to hearing your driving stories. And now let's meet today's driver, Logan from California. Logan, 27 years old, has driven a lot over the past 11 years, close to 1 million miles if he had to put a number to it, including putting 100,000 miles on a car in just two years. Over his driving career, he has had some crazy adventures on the road. Here's Logan. Welcome, Logan, to Drive With Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you guys for having me. It's honestly a bit of an honor to be here. We're so excited to hear your story, especially since we were just talking before we hit record and we've already got a glimpse of some of your experiences. So we're excited to hear more about it. But before we dive into those crazy driving stories, how would you describe yourself as a driver and would your family and friends agree? I asked my family and friends to be brutally honest with me about this. I was like, okay, I know I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. But what do you guys honestly think of my driving? And they're all very hesitant to tell me. But once they finally were like, okay, okay, we're gonna tell you, you promise not to be mad. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you're a very competent driver. You're good at what you do, but you scare us when you're driving because you will make decisions in your head, not say a word. And next thing we know, we're a lane over and we're moving kind of fast. I'm like, okay, that's fair. I will keep this in mind from now on when we get in the car together and I'm driving because that is the, I'd say 95% of the time I'm the one that's driving me and my close group of friends around. And I, I joked with them. I was like, well, you guys all still get in the car with me. You haven't said anything to me until I asked. So I'm like, how bad can I really be? They're like, you just do things that scare us sometimes. I'm like, okay, that that's fair. <laughs> that's totally fair. And then I asked my mom, I was like, mom, what type of driver am I? What, how would you describe me? And she's like, well, you're competent and you do a good job. You can be a little reckless sometimes, but overall, I think you're a good driver. I'm like, oh, that's where I get it from. That's exactly where I get it from because <laughs> <laughs> she was like, yeah, I don't really see a problem with your driving. <laughs> There's always room to grow and be a better driver to your passengers and most likely the people around you too. But for my passengers is something I've now, thanks to your guys' podcast, been made aware of and I'm actively trying to adjust so everyone can be comfortable driving in the car with me. Yeah, you pointed how, why didn't they ever tell you? It's probably because they were scared. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know if I want to make him worse. <laughs> yeah, to totally fair. So I, I'm happy that I was able to ask the question finally and get that answer so I could use that feedback in a positive light rather than a negative light. What would you say is your relationship with driving? Is it something that you enjoy doing? Ever since I was little, I mean, probably some of my earliest memories was just sitting behind the wheel of a car being like, I wish I could drive this. So it's always been something I've really enjoyed the freedom before I was able to get my license. We have a lot of bike paths around here. And I, I had a bicycle as a kid, I would ride everywhere. There was one time I started biking towards LA because the way our town is set up, 
there's only one or two real ways to get out of our valley and into the next one. And I had friends that lived in the next valley. So as a kid on a bicycle driving next to like 55, 60 mile an hour cars on a little like highway pedestrians were allowed to be on, I was riding miles and miles just to have that freedom. So I'd say driving is something that I have always loved. There are times it can be a little daunting, but for the most part, put me behind the wheel anytime. I can do like nine, 10 hours, just me driving, no problem. That's awesome. I'm kind of like you. I, I really enjoy driving. I don't drive that much every day because I know you said you probably hit around like a, a million miles, you said. Close, close. If it's not, it's in like the high 800,000. So I'm well on my way. <laughs> like I enjoy road trips, but like, whoo, you've driven a lot. <laughs> yeah. And with all that driving, I'm pretty sure you've seen a lot of crazy things on the road. So that's a great segue into your crazy driving experiences. What would you say is one of your craziest driving experiences? I had to think about this a lot because there's way too many for this podcast and recording time to actually be able to tell you them all. One that comes to the top of my mind, it was me driving, but I wasn't involved in this. I witnessed it when we were driving and it scared me and my parents half to death. We were on our way up to Lake Tahoe from Los Angeles. And we're on the five freeway, which if anyone who's ever driven it or Googled it knows that there's just stretches that are just straight and nothing around other than a few gas stations. This car, I think it was probably like a Mazda 2, like a 2013. It was beat up really bad. You're like, wow, okay. I mean, we see some beat up cars, but this was even more beat up. And it's only a two lane highway. This dude flies past us, locks the brakes up stops, gets out of his car, tries to confront a driver behind him who had nothing to do with it. He'd just gotten over to follow the flow of traffic. It it was scary because when that happened, that car swerved, I had to stop. And then this dude's just going crazy. No idea. He was by himself in this car, what he was thinking or doing. Then we proceed. I'm like, okay, we're just going to go past this, go past this. All of a sudden I see him flying up behind me, passes me again, does close to the same thing without getting out of the car this time my dad and mom are just like what is going on and we're all like this dude's gonna kill somebody they're like you know what being behind him is not a good option being him in front of him is not a really good option but let's just go so i just gunned it and we got as far away as quickly as possible from that person because it was just it takes a lot to scare me while driving and that that was one time i was generally like oh God, what is going to happen? And I don't want to be around or involved in it. So we we just booked it. That is crazy. And like you were in a place where there probably wasn't any exits for you to be like, let me just get off the road. There, there was absolutely no exits for at least a solid, probably like five to 10 miles. Oh my gosh. I, I couldn't imagine being in that situation, but I'm glad you're able to get away from him. When I'm in situations, not like that crazy, but when I'm in situations where I see a driver that I'm like, okay, I don't want to be near, I usually tend to back off and let them be in my line of sight in front of me so I can manage myself based on what their reaction is. But in that situation, you're just like, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Because we still probably had another four hours of driving on top of that. So it was like, are we going to stay behind and play like, should we pass him? Should we not? Is he stopping erratically again? So we were just kind of like, well, let's just make the informed decision. To just get out of here and move along. Ooh, that's crazy. I am so glad I've never seen anyone like that. I, I 
I'm really curious, like, why he thought stopping randomly in the middle of the road was a good idea, especially since I'm pretty sure the speeds over there are probably higher. On that particular road, it's 70. So fun fact about California's interstate system, there's very, very, very few roads that have a speed limit above 75 or like 70. 70 is like the standard for long distance highways. And then 75 is like in a few little spots. Anything above that, it's not in California. But we do in specific rural areas and in counties like Orange County, they have streets that are lined with houses, but it's not like the main street to turn into those houses. It's like the the backyards are facing it, that they have speed limits of 55 just down that stretch, which in the town I live in, that's not how it is at all. Our max speed limit is like for residential town areas is 45 miles an hour and below. We do not have any 15 miles an hour though. 25 is our school zone standards. We do have a lot of speed limits that are fairly low. Oh wow. The lowest I've seen here in our area is 10 for residential areas, but I can see how it's a little faster over there. (laughs) Everything's honestly faster over here, the traffic and stuff. I I chuckled at the speed limit 65 when literally even the cops, like I'll sometimes have to go to work at 5 a.m., 5.30, so I'm on the road fairly early. And you'll be doing 80 with the cops. And he's just like, yep, we're all just cruising. We're going where we need to go. Don't worry about it kind of thing. Yeah, it's a whole different world. (laughs) It's like, yeah, we're just both going to go 80. It's totally fine. Do you think it's because of the amount of traffic that's over there? Traffic can get bad. It, It really depends on the time of year, what's going on, and what the weather conditions are. Because I know you guys have talked about snow being like a little bit of snow isn't terrible, but it makes people drive wonky. We get a, I mean, the lightest mist of rain in Southern California. And everyone throws all the rules out the window and cannot drive for the love of God. You'll see somebody doing 80 and then somebody doing 45. And it's like, those two things don't mix. Yeah, I've heard that like Southern California, you barely get anything. So it's like, what is this foreign substance? I don't understand it. I've driven in a blizzard before. I've driven in all sorts of weather conditions. So it's like I've prepared myself and I know what I'm doing. Now I have to be hyper vigilant and make sure that around me knows what I'm doing because I, I will get weary and I am a huge advocate. Make sure you have good tires. We've lost one car that way. My dad was driving it. The tires were bald and he spun out and hit a, a, a barrier because a woman had cut him off and it wasn't even raining. That was a funny thing. There was no weather involved, but make sure your tires are good. Make sure they're inflated properly. Like do those visual checks on your car because you never know. My buddy had a uh, a nail in his tire for like three months and didn't know. Oh, wow. Three months. Yeah. I think you mentioned that you had your trudge flew off your tire too. Oh, yeah. Th- this is a story. So it was when I was doing pools, like servicing pools for work. I had hopped on the freeway to go from one account to the next. And I would bought this truck maybe like four or five months prior to that. And this is where I learned about being a good tire maintenance and owner and make sure they're in good shape because when i bought the truck the tires looked great they weren't bald they had plenty of tread they were just old and i was like oh okay no problem i should be they should be able to get me by for a while i don't think anything's going to happen it would make no sense there was some light cracking but i didn't think anything of it i hop on the freeway get up to speed which is like 65 75 miles an hour i'm in the slow lane because i'm getting off in like two exits and all of a sudden, I'm just driving. The thing starts shaking. I'm like, what, what's going on? So I slow down a little bit. All of a sudden, 
kaboom! And I thought I had a blowout. Miraculous, I didn't. But what had happened was I swerved, almost took out the Scion TC to my left of me. And I'm like sitting there holding on for dear life. I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? Finally, safely get over to the shoulder, get out and look at my truck. I'm like, what was that? I'm looking around. I look down at the driver's front tire and it is just smooth. You could see bands. The entire tread pattern, because these were off-road tires, so they had the really big knobs on them, was just gone. But the tire was still inflated. I was close enough to the exit. I had other stuff I needed to get done that day. I put the hazards on, and at like 10 miles an hour, drove that thing off the freeway, got over, thought about it, called a tire shop, was like, do you have these in stock? Can I come get them put on now? And they're like, yep. So very carefully, I drove through town on the side roads, made sure my hazards were on the entire time, took that thing to the, the tire shop and brand new tires. And after that, I am so meticulous about my tires because I'm like, I do not want to relive that. That was just traumatizing. I can't imagine like them just flying off. Oh my God. Like yeah. luckily you didn't hit that car. No, no, thank God. And it, it took out the whole inner fender well on that wheel. So that had to be replaced too. I was like, oh man, that could have been a lot worse. Yeah, luckily it wasn't worse. You were able to make it to a place to get your tires changed. It would be horrible if you had to just sit on the side of the road. Because I know like when I've had to call insurance to send someone and they take forever. You could be on the side of the road for like hours. I I've helped people that I've seen in parking lots or safe areas that have a flat tire or something. I'll roll up to them. I'm like, hey, you good? Do you need anything? They're like, yeah, tire's just flat. I called AAA. They said it's going to be 45 minutes. I'm like, call AAA back. Tell them you don't need them. Let's get your spare out and get this thing on. I'll have it done in like five to 10 minutes. And they're like, can we pay you? I'm like, nah, it's a good deed that I just like doing here and there just because I'm like, you never know. I was fortunate enough to, that I have enough training on car ma maintenance and ownership and all this stuff that I'm like, I, I don't mind lending a hand because I know it's a bad situation to be in. And no one, if it can be helped, should have to be in that situation. That's awesome that you help people out because you don't see that enough. And that's amazing. Yeah, it's a little bit different, though, if you cut me off and you're like, in, if we're in the middle of traffic <laughs> on especially like the 405, the 5, and the 91. Those freeways have a lot of problems with the surface of them. Still not as bad as other places. So it's like after that cross-country road trip I did, I had a new appreciation for our freeways and traffic system because even though... I think I figured out how to differentiate the driving between Southern California and the rest of at least the lower Southern states is that they drive very similar with uh, like cutting you off and speeding and stuff. But there's just a lot more in Southern California. You just get the volume. So it just amplifies it and makes it seem worse than it is. If you're patient, willing to sit in that stuff and just keep a cool head about it and be like, well, I'm going to get there when I get there. It goes a lot smoother and it's not as bad. And I had a new appreciation for Southern California traffic. Still not great, but it's manageable. Wow. Yeah. The way so many of our past guests have described California traffic, I don't I don't think I could do it. That That's totally fair. It's honestly not for everyone. I can genuinely say that I am a born and raised L.A. driver and have seen enough of it i've had people in downtown la almost walk in front of my work truck and get taken out by me and i'm almost like okay crosswalks don't exist down here i need to drive slower just because oh no gosh. no one will use it well i mean where you grow up i guess you get used to 
those types of drivers. And then when you go to a new area and you see something different, then you're like, whoa, <laughs> like this is not what I've seen on a regular basis. So I can see how you're comfortable with California driving. And it's like, if we went there for the first time and drove there, it probably would be more of like a, whoa, <laughs> like this is so oh, yeah. different than what we're used to. My second most crazy driving story is probably going to be when I was driving back from Tahoe, I have family up there. This was quite a few years back now, and I do not condone what I'm about to say. I had a very high horsepowered car, and it was nothing fancy. It was a Honda Accord, but it had the big engine in it. Just so your listeners understand. And I was driving back. I had an ex-girlfriend in the car and my brother, and we were coming back. And it's night, or it's getting dark, and this very well-built Subaru comes up alongside me. We start kind of pacing each other, picking the speed up slowly, slowly, slowly. All of a sudden, we look down, we're doing like a hundred and something, and we glance at each other and just gun it. We held it on there for miles because, again, it's the five freeway. It's straight, at least in the northern to southern transfer. It's straight. There's not really too many cops around. You just got to watch out around the bridges. So, me and the Subaru are just neck and neck the entire way going down until we came up to a gas station because we both looked down or at least this is what i'm assuming he looked down and realized he needed gas i looked down i was like oh i need gas and we both pulled over into the same gas station a little bit apart from each other got out of the car head nodded he starts looking under his hood i look at my car and i'm like well if it's made it this far we're fine we'll just make it the rest of the way i'm sure about that and so gassed it up and made it the rest of the way home no problem but i've never went that fast in my life and I mean, I don't even know if it was faster than 145. That's just what the speedometer went to. Never went that fast again. Was like, cool, one and done. We're never doing that again. That was an insane adrenaline rush. And after that, I was like, yep, nope, I'm good. I could see how this could end terribly, especially because I had passengers. And at that time, I wasn't thinking like, hey, you're jeopardizing the safety of your passengers. You should really be paying more attention and not doing this. Every once in a while, I get the urge to speed a little bit. I'm just like, I probably shouldn't do that. You, you know what could happen and you don't want to be responsible for that. You just need to get to where you're going and relax and enjoy your music and the company you're with. Your passengers didn't react at all. Were they also enjoying this high speed driving? <laughs> My brother was asleep, so I don't even know if he knew it happened. I think I told him after he woke up when we got to the gas station, he was like, what, really? But he was he was fairly young at this time, so he was just kind of like, eh, whatever. He has that very nonchalant attitude towards things. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. At the time, I was like, oh, bro, it was so much fun. You should have been awake for it. He's like, eh, okay, I'm good. <laughs> and then the ex, she didn't say anything. So either she was scared or just didn't care. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure which one it was. The fact that he was able to sleep through the whole thing. It's like you're over here speeding at over 140 miles and it's like sleeping in the back, you know, eh, nothing. Well, I guess because it was a straight road, you didn't have bumps or anything to like wake him up or turns and things like that that would have startled him awake so he probably just slept through it which i don't know how yeah that, that's more or less <laughs> what I'm, I'm thinking i know you mentioned that you did a road trip across the country and you've been through so many different states how would you describe the types of drivers in california in comparison to drivers in other states we went through most of the states pretty quick we just like do sessions so it's just a lot of driving in really rural areas where no one was really around the only thing that i really noticed with the drivers over there i was like huh comparing them to what i knew i'm like this is similar they are driving slower but when traffic or people would still cut you off it didn't really matter they behaved the same as people that were driving in la 
even though we sat in some traffic like through Atlanta, that was a little sketchy. I saw a guy drive down. I believe you've had guests tell you this before where they'll drive down on the grass side to get to like one part or another. So it was like a bridge and there was like a, a road, but there was no barrier. This dude just drove down onto the freeway and just took off. We didn't see that in the car. We saw that from our hotel room. We were just like, what was that? But even though we sat in the traffic, it, if I didn't know I was in a different state, I'd say for the most part, everyone kind of just behaved the same, maybe a little bit slower, but that was really the only difference I noticed on that whole road trip. So we went through all the lower states. We started in South Carolina, then we hit Georgia, Tennessee, we popped down to Mississippi and then into Texas and straight across Texas to New Mexico and then to Arizona and back to California, which was just a lot of flat open road. And I intentionally did that because I talked to my friend about maybe driving up higher, but then other stories I've heard about going through the higher up states, they're a lot smaller in size. So you have to deal with a lot of rules and regulation changes through each one. And they can be a lot more of a stickler about those rules. So we tried to stick it to the lower ones where I'd researched where I kind of knew what laws need to be abided just so it was a safer drive for all of us. And I wasn't going into this uneducated. And I think the biggest thing that I had to help my buddy because he did drive a little bit, but I drove the majority of it. I was pulling like nine hour days to where when he would drive, we'd switch off because he has a narcolepsy kind of tendency when he drives because he finds driving so boring. He will fall asleep at the wheel sometimes if not paying attention. So I'm always like a wart, like, hey, you good? Yeah. How you feeling? Do you want to trade? Should we get gas? Do another energy drink? What, what do you need? Kind of thing. So it wasn't like he scared me, but I knew to be vigilant about that because I was actually the one who taught him how to drive. I already knew what to expect when I was in the car with him, which it was fine. Nothing super eventful happened, and I'm thankful for that. I'd rather have a boring cross-country road trip than be like, oh, my God, I got pulled over in three different states. They almost arrested me. It's like, no, no, this was a lot of driving and a lot of time. Let's just make sure it's uneventful and get to where we need to go. But by the time we got to Arizona in his car, this was like the most eventful thing that happened. We realized his transmission in his car was just about shot. I took a corner. All of a sudden, the car launched itself around this corner. I didn't lose control. I was just caught off guard by how quick it did it. I was like, whoa, what was that? And we thought about it for a second. We're like, car's been acting a little off this entire drive. What are the chances the transmission's going bad with it? Because it has been underpowered. And he's like, you know what? I bet you that's a problem. Because we had done a complete tune-up on the car before we left. We were like, okay, make sure your brakes are good. Make sure that the car's going to stay running and all this stuff. So we stopped in Arizona, found a dealership, and he bought a, a different vehicle there because it just wasn't worth it. But lucky enough, I've bought, sold cars any way you could possibly think imaginable. So I made sure we got a really good deal on his car. And I can't recommend buying a car in Arizona enough. They make it so easy and they're so transparent with everything. You deal with one person, they have a tablet that you put all your information in. It shows you what banks approved you in front of you, not in some closed door away from you. They do it all right in front of you. They're like, look, here are the rates you're available for and what they're willing to finance for. And we honestly had that done. It took us longer to pick the vehicle out than it did to do the financing and get all the paperwork signed. The paperwork and everything took a total of maybe 35, 40 minutes. Wow, that is so the opposite of what typically happens. When you're doing the paperwork, it takes forever. Oh, most definitely. I found it really interesting that you actually researched the different rules and regulations of the places you were going to drive through. 
I don't think people really do that, even though that's a really smart thing to do so that you're aware of like, hey, I shouldn't do this thing in this state. And I got to say, for some of the basic ones, a lot of the states will have billboards posted up with like slower traffic, stay to the right, only use left lane for passing and stuff like that. At least for the ones we drove through, that was a label like you could see that across the board and then obviously as a safety precaution cruise control and the speed limit for the most part it, we were just super cautious because we're like we don't want to deal with anything we we just want to be good drivers and move on to our next state yeah and tickets in an out-of-state ticket can be way higher than in state so yeah it's better just to follow the rules and just get out there smoothly <laughs> also like you're pointing out the signs yeah we've also noticed that they do usually put the basics, like drive in the right lane and then don't drive in the left lane kind of thing. But I have noticed that the one thing that we don't see enough is this actual speed limit. So when you're in a new area and you're just like, is the traffic going the speed limit or is the traffic going over the speed limit? This is the one beauty about technologies. I use my GPS for everywhere, even if it's around town and I know exactly where I'm going because A, I want to know if there's traffic and B, at least for iMaps and with Google, it posts the speed limit of that street when you enter it it can be off sometimes by five miles an hour like they updated it and made it five miles slower or something like that but for the most part that is like my safety net that like if heaven forbid i got pulled over and i was doing the speed limit my gps showed i'd pull over to find out why i got pulled over but i'd be like officer it says this on this i get that that's not the law and like that's not the one but i was doing what i genuinely thought was the right speed limit and hope Hope he has some humanity and is like, all right, all right, all right, let this pass. Don't do it. That's my reasoning for using that stuff. Anything I do is hands-free. I have new enough vehicles to where everything I do is a push of a button and you say what you want to do and it'll do it. And I do that because I am terrified to use my phone while I'm driving other than the hands-free option, just because it's like, this could be risky. I could see how someone could get very easily distracted by it and be looking down for a second too long. And next thing you know, they've plowed the car in front of them. Yeah, I see way too many people here in Maryland doing that, where it's more of look at your screen and glance up at the road rather than glancing elsewhere and looking at the road. I'm big on using all my mirrors. I like to know who's behind me, who's to the side of me. I literally went out and for my truck, I got the biggest mirrors I could find so I can see everything just because I want to know what is going on around me because I have no control on what's going on around me. So I need to be aware of it. Yeah, it's very important to pay attention. I feel like a lot of people don't do that nowadays. They just get in the car and just go as opposed to like looking around and having those blind spot mirrors, especially. (laughs) It's very helpful. Would you say in your state, the majority of the people you see looking at their phone are older people? Say 30 and above. I feel like literally everyone is on their phone. Like, that's just the thing you see is like everyone is on their phone. Yes. (laughs) It's weird because at least around LA and Southern California, I notice older people looking at their phone and zoning out to it like they're commuting to the office. And I've noticed a lot of the younger people that I've seen driving are terrified. They're not on their phone. They're just trying to stay alive behind the wheel kind of thing. And I found it very interesting because they launched such a huge campaign towards teen to not be on the phone while driving or messing with the, the technology. But the biggest offenders I see are generally people of working age commuting to their jobs and back or just going around town. And it drives me crazy that they started that campaign when I was still in my early 20s. And I was like, you guys are targeting the wrong people. 
I, I see teens and young young people driving and they look terrified because they're trying to understand what to do. It's all these adults who have gotten super comfortable. And I mean, I say that like I'm not an adult, <laughs> but I see all these adults just not paying attention. And I'm just like, what is going on? The people who cut me off, they're all older for the most part. I don't see any young teens cutting me off or anything like that. So it, it's just, it's very interesting to me to see how they'll go after the wrong people for the offenses that are happening and driving on the cell phone in California is a, I forget what you call it, where it, if they see you doing it, they have the right to pull you over for it. They don't have to see something else to pull you over for it. Yeah. That's the same here. Now when it first, the law first came out, it was a second offense. Like they had to pull you off for something else, but now it's like primary and they can pull you over for a cell phone. But I've seen, we live really close to a high school. So I've seen high schoolers, they drive by our road and the light is red and they're not even fully stopped. They already have their phone in front of them and they're coming to a stop. And I'm like, you're not even paying attention to the car in front of you. (laughs) See, I literally live two blocks from a high school and actually in a four block radius, there's a elementary school, a high school and a junior high. I'm closest to the junior high. The biggest problem I have with everything going on is the parents. The parents do illegal turns all the time. They act like they own the road and they will. So going to my house next to the high or the junior high, there's, it's a two lane road. So one person going one way, one person going the other way, a center median. I have parents. And this also goes for the soccer practice they do because the field faces us double park and block the road. No hazard lights, just I'm here, deal with it. And I have to deal with that on the weekends, on the weekdays, if I leave for work later that day. And it just drives, like, that's got to be one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like, okay, you parents are acting entitled. I get you got to get your kid to school and get off to your job or whatever you need to go do. But their behavior around the school to get their kids to school, it's not only reckless, dangerous, but just very inconsiderate to everyone who lives around there. And it just, it's like, oh, that one lights a fire in me because it's like, I don't know. I I had to walk to school when I was in junior high. And then when I went to elementary school, my mom was a very aware driver who wouldn't do things like that. So just seeing that just really upsets me. And I've seen accidents. I drove to work one day and these two cars, it was bad, had hit each other. Their cars had to have been totaled or really close to it. And I don't even understand how they did it because the speed limit there during school hours is 25 miles an hour, but they did. And I was just like, see, this is your, that could have been a kid. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like I would, if I did that, I'd be so worried about my car because of double park, like someone would hit me. I couldn't do it because I'd be freaking out that even if I left it for two seconds, that someone wouldn't see it and it would hit my car. And then that's a big thing that you have to deal with right there. But would you say that is your biggest driving pet peeve, people who are double parking? Yeah, I'd say that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves next to no blinkers and then them trying to get over in front of me when there is clearly not space for them to get over in front of me and there's nobody behind me. Blinkers is a big one for a lot of people. Do they in California, I know here what they do is like if someone puts on their blinker, people purposely block them to not let them over? Is that something that happens there? I'm guilty as charged (laughs) because I see space behind (laughs) me And I'm just like, just get behind me. And I think another thing that really bugs me is when we're in the fast lane, it's going slower than all the other lanes. And you want to come into this lane. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I would get out if I could, but I can't drive fast enough to get up to the speed of the traffic next to me to go around this problem. And they're trying to come into the fast lane when there's no exits. 
There's no entrances. Why do you need to be in this lane right now? I will literally purposely drive with the semis just to avoid that chaos some days. I am the type of driver because I do drive so much. If I know I need to get off in like two miles or something and I see there's traffic and especially on that side, I will merge over safely, get in that lane and sit in that traffic because I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy that's going up there and cutting everybody off. That's just rude. I don't like that. I don't want that done to me. I don't, I'm not going to do that to them. So then I see that and I'm just like, that's when, even if they have the blinker on, I'm like, no, no, I watched you just drive past all of us. Get, no, no, get back there. So I guess you could say that's where I become a bit of an enforcer. But for the most part, I, I don't know if someone has a gun. I don't know what their road rage is like. It's like I try to just remember now that I'm older and not as reckless as I once was. I try to just take a deep breath and be like, you know what? It's just not worth it. Have you ever experienced road rage? There's been plenty of times where I have been. I I will not get out of the car and the worst you get from me is me laying on the horn for minutes at a time and flashing the headlights. At least in Southern California, if you get flashed anywhere other than a stop sign or when you're letting a semi-truck merge in front of you or back, if you get the high beams any other time, it is a straight-up insult. It is them flipping you the bird without physically flipping you the bird. And that's at least in Southern California. But my worst incident being involved in road rage, because I can't say it was one-sided because I was pretty upset too, was I was driving back uh, a long distance. It was me and my brother in that same truck that had the blowout with the tire. And it did not have AC at this time. So we had the windows down. It was like 100 and something outside, which is dry heat. It's not great. Better than humidity any day of the week, though. And we're driving. I forget why I needed to get over. Or it might have just been it was a carpool lane. And I'm like, oh, I want to get into the carpool lane. But this car was pacing me right next to me to where I couldn't get in front of it or behind it. Because every time I'd slow down, be like, all right, I'll just get behind them. Every time I'd speed up, stay right in line with me. So I finally hit a point where I was like, dude, what's your problem? I've had enough of this. Floored it. And this truck wasn't very fast. So he had the advantage with the speed. But I, I, I got up. I thought I was clear enough. And I was. I was. I didn't hit his car. But I got in front of him. And he, oh, he did not like that at all he got out of a carpool lane across a double yellow line because i went in when i could get in and then by the time he had reacted it was already a solid yellow line so he illegally got out of the carpool lane drove alongside me my brother's in the passenger seat this dude is yelling it was him and girlfriend wife i have no idea sister i i don't know he's yelling for me and my brother to pull over and fight him and i'm just like huh my brother's just like, dude, what, what's your problem? Ignoring him. He, my brother, I'm pretty sure being my brother flipped him the bird or something. Because it's like, dude, you're freaking insane. We're not pulling over. We're just trying to get somewhere. That went on for about eight or nine miles where this dude's just yelling, swerving close to my truck, which I'm like, well, it's an old truck. If he hits it and it gets a dent, eh, it's okay. I'm not going to really be that upset about it. I'm going to be like, this dude hit me. I'd be upset the fact that he did it because he was road raging, but I'd be like, I'm sure I'm going to be able to drive away. His car probably wouldn't. Long story short, we eventually got to a point where he finally cooled off and veered away and was gone. And me and my brother were just like, what the heck was that? But I mean, we were, we were upset and we were like looking at this dude, like, what's your freaking problem? So, I mean, I wasn't innocent to the, the road rage on that one. I was kind of returning a little bit of it. Like, dude, go, go, you know, things I won't say on a family-friendly podcast kind of thing. Uh, People so. are crazy. I can't believe that person went to that much effort just to get next to you and be like, 
pull over and fight me. Like, what do you think was going to happen if you pulled over? Yeah. I was like, and also at the same time, racing through my head, I'm like, does this dude have a gun? Why is he challenging two tall, big guys? Because it's not like I'm 6'2 and my brother's 6'1. It's not like we look small and we're in this giant lifted truck. I'm like, you're either armed or insane. And I'm not taking my chances with either of those. Yeah, it's like, why? If someone was angry at you like that and had road rage, why would the person pull over on purpose and be like, yeah, I'll deal with it? No, it's like, I'm getting away from you and you go deal with your road rage in your own car. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but it happens all the time. Now, when it happens, I might have an instant where I'm like, oh, and then I'm just like, you know what? This isn't worth it. Back to the podcast I go. And that's one thing I love about your guys' podcast is I'll be listening to it while I'm driving. And you guys will be talking about your the crazy experiences with that person. And I'm just like, it makes me think. I'm like, okay, I know this isn't right. I should be listening to what some of these people are saying and just calm down. I'm going to get there when I get there. Well, I'm glad that it has an influence and on you in a positive, positive. way. <laughs> Let's go back to your driving first. How would you describe your first time driving experience? And what was your driving test like? I've had a lot of different first driving experience like i know some of your other guests have expressed when i was a young kid my dad stuck stuck me on his lap and let me drive the wheel around to get familiar with it so i did that a lot as far as the first time i drove a car alone i'm pretty sure it was in a church parking lot it was my grandma's ford mustang with the big old engine in it because my grandma just drove a hot rod for some strange reason and all the little church ladies came out and including my grandma my grandma had handed me the key said bring the car over here and i'm like 10 11 at this time i'm like okay yeah this is gonna be so much fun i've always wanted to do this i go get in the car and i never touch the gas i the brake only because that car idled at like 15 miles an hour so that was my first experience now i have a crazy pre-driver's license experience story because of my itch to drive at such a young age i had bought in a car off a, a friend what my best friend had a friend they were selling a car and it was stupid cheap. It was like 200 bucks. And I had a job at the time, but I was only like 14, 15. So no permit, no nothing. I'm like, I'm going to buy that car. Bought the car, drove it home. Didn't tell my parents anything. I parked it around the corner. I'm like, they don't need to see this. They don't need to see this. Uh, it's my little treat because where I was working was across town. And I was like, it's really a pain in the butt to get there. I got to take a bus and ride my bike. And it's just not always worth So I'm like, I'm just going to drive this car because I had driven off road before in like ATVs and side by sides and cars off road before. So I was like, I can drive a car. It's not that hard to me. So I did it. I got to the top of a hill. And the reason the car was so cheap was because it had engine problems. And if anyone's wondering, it was a 1987 Chevy Cavalier four-door, and the head was gone on it. The thing overheated. I got to the top of the hill. The car died. Wouldn't start again. I had to coast it down this big hill and pretty much was stuck in traffic, not in, like, uh, backed up traffic, but I was stuck in, like, the street. And I'm just, like, trying to get the car to start. It wouldn't start. I was right next to a uh, parking lot. So I got out in my panic thinking, oh, God, if the cops show up, I'm driving illegally. Why did I do this? Oh, my God. I should have thought this through better. And I'm pushing the car. Some Samaritan helps me push it into the parking lot. And then I get to work. My parents' friends, it was a restaurant. My parents' friends happened to be in the restaurant. And they come in and be like, Logan, what's wrong? Why do you seem so distressed? I'm like, I don't know if I should tell you. Uh, they're like, no, you need to tell us. Like, these are family friends who knew me since I was a baby. They're like, no, you need to tell us. I'm like, I bought a car and it broke. It's over in the parking lot across the street. And they're like, call your dad. 
and tell him what you did. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I go with my tail between my legs, call my dad. Obviously, he's upset initially, but then he's like, all right, I'm going to come. I'm going to get my buddy. We're going to get the tow truck. We're going to get the car home. Now, I bought this car for 200 bucks, drove it illegally. All that bad stuff happened. I still made a profit off that car of $400. It was broken, didn't run, nice. <laughs> and I still made money off of it. <laughs> so anytime my parents bring up me driving illegally, I'm like, yeah, but I made money off the car. And they're like, that's not the point. At least they weren't that mad. No, they, they were more like, oh my God, you crazy kid. What were you thinking? Looking back upon it now, I'm like... God, that was stupid. <laughs> but the driving, once I got everything in order, I was lucky enough that at the time I was dating a girl whose parents happened to really like me. And they're like, Logan, we'll pay for your driving school. I'm like, all right, cool. I appreciate that. Like three or four weeks later, me and this girl ended up breaking up. And they were like, look, it was more or less a mutual thing. I know she was upset when it happened, but it was mutual. We like you enough. We're still going to pay for your driving school. So I got to go to AAA driving school. And then once they felt we were confident enough to take our driving test, not the behind the wheel test, the paper test. So I took the test. I only got three wrong and, and you could get up to seven. So I passed it the first time, no problem. And then my grandma, bless her heart, actually was the one who took me driving outside of the driving school, which is hilarious because my dad actually helped a handful of my peers in high school go do their driving test. I'd had my license by this point, but he was he was helping other people. And I'm like, I had grandma. How did that happen? My grandma taught me how to <laughs> parallel park and do all the, the crazy driving stuff. She was she was just awesome. She was so patient with me. Not that I was a bad driver, but being like, I got this. She'd be like, sure, you got this. But remember, you're still learning and you need to just take your ego down a notch there, buddy. That's interesting that I guess your written test was really long because here we had in we have in class driver's ed, but then the written test is at the DMV and it was on a computer now. So it's only 20 questions. So the max you can get wrong is three. Oh, really? I want to say it was 40, 46 or 48, maybe 50 questions. And yeah, you could get up to seven wrong on the test itself. Now, the behind the wheel, you know how most people will go out of their town to take the driving test because it's easier for whatever reason? I was like, yeah, I'm absolutely going to do that. Never driven in the area that I went to go take this test. No clue how to get around there. So my grandma takes me. She lets me use her car. I had really long hair at this time and it was just like you know this but i had bangs the driving instructor the one thing they dinged me on was they could not see me looking at all my mirrors because my hair was too long and she's like i had no clue where you were looking and then she's like don't be surprised if i fail you so i'm sitting in the car i'm like oh darn okay i i get it I should have been doing this with my head, apparently, like shaking it back and forth so you could tell I was looking at the mirrors, even though I was. And then she opens the car door. Oh, by the way, you passed. I was like, huh? What? Really? No way. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's one thing my mom made a point to point out when we went for ours is over-exaggerate looking in the mirrors just so they know you're doing it because that's something they will ding you for. Oh, yeah. Switching gears a little bit, let's talk a little bit about the future of driving. With the possibility of self-driving cars coming into the mix, would you be interested in getting in these cars? And what are your thoughts on self-driving cars? I, I like to follow and look at all the new technology coming out for cars, including autonomous driving and self-driving itself. Personally, at this point in time, 
the technology is just not there. The things a human can do behind the wheel to a computer, a computer can calculate a lot faster than a human, but to be able to throw all those variables in, it's just not there yet. There's been quite a few instances, if you Google it, where self-driving cars have gotten themselves in a lot of trouble. I think at this point in time, I'd call it a unique novelty to go sit and experience one in the future. If the technology progressed enough and as long as I still had the option to physically drive the car, I'd be willing to let it do its thing because there are definitely some moments where I'm like, man, I wish I could just put it on autopilot and just chill back kind of thing because I have a work truck that's already got the lane detection. Make sure you stay in your lane and don't get too close to the car in front of you. So I like to use that stuff when I can just because it's like, you know what, then if someone goes flying past me, I'm like, hey, man, this is what the car says is safe. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but I would need to give it a long time before I ever felt comfortable doing that. I didn't even take a Lyft or an Uber until like two years ago for my first time. And I've only done it a total of three times just because I've seen too many incidences where it's just safer if I stay sober and get us there and back safely. I was in an Uber and it was late at night and it was my first time ever taking it. The Uber driver drove on the wrong side of the street. And luckily there was no cars because it was like three in the morning, but it was just terrifying. I'm just in the backseat like, what do I do? This is, does someone tell him he's in the wrong lane? Because it was me and a group of people. I'm like, does someone tell him he's in the wrong lane or uh, are we just going to let this happen? He realized pretty shortly after that. I was like, okay, yeah, no, nope. You've just instilled why I do not take Ubers or Lyfts. That's crazy. Like, what do you do in that situation? But I agree with you. Like, I I would want there to be the option where you can still take control because you don't know what's going to happen. And there are certain situations where a human can logically think through and reason with a situation versus a car or a computer that's probably not programmed for every single possibility. Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones that they mentioned was like the homeless woman that got hit. And I want to say either Arizona or Nevada because the self-driving car, they were testing it at night and it didn't see her and it ended up killing her. She was illegally jaywalking. And there was her the, the problems that happened because of the actions she decided, but the car wasn't able to react to her because it didn't detect her. Unlike a human would see that and be like, oh, okay, what you doing over there? That's crazy. Yeah, self-driving cars are way in the future, I feel like. Fully self-driving. Long ways away. Bonus question time. Are you ready? Absolutely. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? I, I don't, honestly, I've thought about this because I've heard you ask so many people today. I'm like, what would I want? Honestly, it seems like the majority of the problems on the road is people not doing and following the laws that are already in place so there's some petty things like the blinker i wish we could up the fine for the blinker and cutting out of the carpool lane into the fast lane because that's a serious problem around here my sister's boyfriend saw three people do it in front of a cop the other night and the cop didn't pull a single one over merged out of the carpool these people just went out of the carpool lane and the cops in the carpool lane did nothing so i'm just like i would just i would hope to just see the laws that give people courtesy and acknowledge to the, the vehicles around them, like, hey, I'm going to get out. I wish those were just a little more heavily enforced in the fines or maybe a little bit higher to be like, hey, guys, we're not doing this because we want to target you. We're doing this because it's a safety factor and you need to do these things to make sure you and your fellow drivers, because we're all in this together, whether we like it or not, get where you're going safely. Yeah, I've noticed that where police officers in situations where you're like, okay, you could, did you not, did you not just see that? Yeah. Are you going to say anything about that? Like, they're the ones who can enforce it. It's not like 
the road rage guy who can like tell another driver you're doing something wrong that would obviously make the other driver more freaked out or mad themselves and be like i'm not listening to you yeah i know totally do you have any final thoughts or any tips that you would like to give other drivers that are listening yes i'd like to say and this goes for myself as well is to always remember we're we're all living here together whether you be walking bus train how at bicycle however your means of transportation we all need to remember that we're trying to just get to where we need to go and to be courteous to the people around you because obviously you know i have a few pet peeves about people cutting off and trying to merge in where they're not supposed to but at the end of the day we're all just trying to get somewhere safe so we can get back to our families or to our job and it's just not worth killing ourselves over and if you like speed like i do there are safe ways in controlled environments that you can go do that stuff because it could help prevent you from doing something on the road that you might regret. I had a friend of a friend that he got into a street race down in the valley and he crashed his truck so bad the cab sheared off from the frame and he now has spinal issues and a whole bunch of things and he's lucky he didn't kill someone in the process besides severely hurting himself. He's lucky to be alive let alone walking. That's crazy. And that's that is such a good tip or advice that we're all in this together. We're all just trying to get somewhere. Be courteous. Like I wish more people would just take that into consideration. Yeah. And if, and if you see traffic's going faster in the left lane and you're in it and you're going 65 and you see these people come, just move over to the right lane. It's really not that hard. I promise. I do it all the time when I don't want to speed or go faster. It's a good thing to do. Yeah, it was designed in that way for a reason. <laughs> yeah, people just forget about it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Before we let you go, where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you? At the moment, I'm currently working on a podcast, but it is not done yet. I hope to be releasing that within the next month or two. We're still working on a name, but my Instagram is car underscore fun underscore life 222. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was really fun talking to you and hearing all your crazy experiences. Yeah, thank you guys for having me so much. This was a blast. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. If you ever need a follow-up, just let me know. I'll be there. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Logan was another driver that I felt like we could talk to for hours because, again, I feel like we just grazed the surface of his crazy driving stories. With the amount that he's driven, I'm sure he's had way more than yeah. what we talked about. We're curious to hear your thoughts. Do you like hearing from a mix of drivers like everyday drivers and professionals or do you prefer just one type of driver? Would you be interested in having us bring on previous guests again like Logan? Let us know and we'll try our best to make it happen. And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of next week's episode with Rabia, an everyday driver currently in London. She shared with us about the time she T-boned a car and the guy came out limping. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review on Podchaser. It truly does help us get discovered. Thank you for choosing to drive with us and we'll see you all next week. I didn't see the light because there were these lights that were like hanging and they were blowing. And so I couldn't see them. So I go through this intersection not knowing, end up T-boning this other vehicle. This man gets out and he's limping.